the future of business. Future of business. Future of business. More global and more decentralized. Making sure that enterprises are a lot more responsible. Smart cities. More collaboration. Consumer-driven productivity. Environmental and social responsibility. Global. Human-centered. Purposeful. Individualized. Automation. Big data. Climate change. Space exploration. Renewable energy. Information security. Exciting and digital. Hello and welcome to the Future of Business podcast. I'm your host, Alison MacArthur. In this episode, we'll be talking to two leaders who are bringing their philosophy to the soda industry. Simon Coley and his team set up Karma Cola in New Zealand in 2012 and produced fair trade organic sodas with hip, artsy labels. At the heart of the company is a simple idea to make a product that truly gives back to the communities who produce it and empowers them to build a better future. A portion of the profits from each bottle sold goes back to the TY community in Sierra Leone for local projects through the Karma Cola Foundation, chaired by Albert Tucker. We recently caught up with Albert and Simon here in Oxford. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll just dive right in. Um, I was wondering, Simon, if you could tell us a little bit about how the idea for Karma Cola came to you. Sure. Um, from what I've heard, it's on a beach in New Zealand. It was a good start on the beach. Good thing start on beaches. Two close friends and now business partners and I were thinking about what we should do next. Chris Morrison, who has had a business called Phoenix Organics and was very a pioneer in organic soft drinks in New Zealand. His brother Matt and I um, were kind of at a crossroads, I suppose. I'd just finished working for a company that sold to Bacardi and was thinking about what to do next. Um, and Matt had been in the army and in the treasury and was about ready to do something new. Um, we had, we're all interested in the idea of kind of business as an as an a way of doing good as well as being profitable. So it was kind of part of the conversation we'd been having. And Chris had been in Samoa and seen that there was great organic produce growing there that wasn't making it to market. And and I, having heard that, I thought I wouldn't mind helping do that. It'd be an interesting thing to do. We learned that we're probably not that good at importing fresh produce because we hadn't done it before we had a lot of rotten bananas to deal with but we soon learned that there's a big demand for kind of purpose-led ethical sustainable produce in New Zealand and that it was kind of untapped so fast forward a few years and we had a business that was selling fair trade bananas it gave us confidence to do something else which is where we met Albert and uh had this idea that the way we could explain our value to customers was by way of a virtuous circle, that they were supporting not just the environment that these pro- products came from, but the people that were growing them, and that their their purchase would be beneficial all the way through that mm-hmm. virtuous circle. Um, and the idea of karma came out of that, that that kind of explains in a good shorthand what we're trying to achieve commercially mm-hmm. and altruist, altruistically. We thought that karma cola sounded quite good. It was the sort of name that led to the yeah, idea. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> and it, because we'd been looking at other products and that was a sort of prefix to it, karma coconut, karma chocolate, karma mm-hmm. coffee, but karma cola was the one we thought, you know what, this is probably the most mm-hmm. consumed consumer good in the world Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be great to create the contrast you know it's something that you know soft drinks aren't that great you know they they are things we love 
but they're not essential. You know, if you're thirsty, water's pretty good for hydration. <laughs> but if you want to, you know, enjoy the taste of something, then soft drinks are quite good. But we thought, why couldn't we make these things do good as well as taste good? And that's where the idea came from. Um, and Albert, so you grew up in Sierra Leone and you've worked in fair trade products for some time now. Yes. What brought you to, to Karma Cola? Well, actually, Sierra Leone had been through a really particularly nasty 10-year war. Mm -hmm. And I'd been spending some time trying to promote business with Sierra Leone, a business for good, so business that will help um, growth and redevelopment, so talking to different communities there. When I heard, um, I was contacted by the guys from New Zealand saying, we want to do this company that wants to do good as well as deliver. And so for me, that was just the perfect. And then they were looking, they were trying to find a source of cola nuts. And of course, I grew up in West Africa, uh, very familiar with cola nuts. And it was an opportunity for some communities in Sierra Leone to engage with a business that actually intends to actually contribute something back. So it was really easy decision to make really. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we started, we, we had conversations and agreed what we were going to do and went and did it. Uh, there were no contracts or, <laughs> or formal agreements. <laughs> we just got on with it. And, 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 um, and then six months later, there was a drink that was a fantastic tasting drink, which the communities love to be part of. And is one of the few, if not only drink, uh, product in the supermarket, you can look, premium product, you can look at that has set and acknowledges an ingredient from Sierra Leone. Absolutely. Simon, you've mentioned that it's important that organisations uh, give communities like these a hand up rather than a hand out. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned, Albert, like to wise a community that's had to deal with some terrible struggles in recent history, do you think bringing trade to these communities sort of helps them to rebuild and bring stability? From our own experience, it definitely seems to be doing that. I think there's a level of engagement that's really important to understand in the way we're trying to do this, that we have had to have first-hand relationships with producers, that we're not uh, trying to use the idea of doing good as a label on the outside of our product as much as being intrinsic in the way we behave as an organisation. So, you know, one of the things that that gives us is the right to talk, you know, reasonably intimately about the people that we work with there, which is part of the story that helps sell our products. Um, what we've seen is that because we, right from the start, thought that we can't treat this as charity, we can't be just putting money into a community without seeing it create independence. So the idea of trade is really important, even if we're not buying an enormous amount of quality, of quantity of um, cola, we're making sure that it is a really strong relationship in terms of the commercial benefit to both us and them. Um, and the fund that we've created and the independent organisation, the Karma Cola Foundation that Albert chairs, is primarily interested in helping them become independent of our, from us, which is kind of an anathema because commercially we really want to be connected to them so we can tell the story and sell the drinks. But for the foundation to be successful, these guys should be able to do it without us, ultimately. So that's, that's the interesting contrast. So what, what's great is that we have programs there that are instigated by the benefactors, not by us. Mm -hmm. They come to us with an idea, like the original thing we did was pay for a bridge to be built. They built it. You know, the foreman was a, someone in the village. We only had to supply a kind of bare minimum mm -hmm. of, of funds and materials and intent 
for them to get on with it. And as long as we follow that pattern, it seems to be quite successful. And could you tell us a little bit about the story behind the bridge? Well, when we started, when we started, when we found out that really the major brands in the world with the name Kohler in them no longer use Kohler nuts. Mm -hmm. So you find that's why Kohler nuts are not a valuable commodity. They are very locally used. Um, we thought, well, if we're going to be true to the karma in the company, um, let's create a way to contribute to the development of these communities so they do well as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where the foundation came from. And when we initially got the foundation off the ground, we thought, well, from all we've learned, we said we, we want the community to drive this, not us from London and New Zealand. So they had a committee that was already there working on conservation of this island, Tiwa Island. And so we engaged with them. And then the first thing they wanted us to do in the main village, we headquarters village, there are eight villages collaborating here. The headquarter village, they said, um, actually, the thing that would be fantastic for us is a bridge. And, you know, um, nowadays we talk about the bridge being symbolic and metaphorical, but my first reaction was, a bridge? Really? That's the best we can do? And actually, that village, in the, in the winter months, gets split into two. So two halves of the village come in, and families are across that village. So you either have to swim across this river tributary, or you don't performance go across, so the village is isolated. So, and also things like democratic process doesn't happen as well. Chiefs can't get there. If somebody's ill, they can't get them out of the village and that kind of thing. So it made sense. So we built it. Um, and then they said, well, you know, um, could you help us with bursaries for girls to go to school? So again, it's not a question. This is an interrogative, iterative relationship, which is one of the strengths of it. They wanted us to fund bursaries for girls to go to school. And we were saying, well, shouldn't you be sending girls to school anyway? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, well, no, look. If a family can only send some of their children to school, they will send the boys. And actually, nearly all communities, this is what has happened. So, um, so but if you provide a bus, we will make sure mm -hmm. that the families who can't afford it can get girls to school as well. And that's what they've done. So the relationship is quite a symbiotic one. So how do you bring this story to consumers? You know, this, this sort of the, the cola industry isn't a new industry, despite uh, the fact you've mentioned, you know, the big players don't actually... Uh, have cola as an ingredient, mm. which is which is really interesting and something I certainly didn't mm. know and I imagine most consumers aren't aware of. Um, how do you compete in this in this market? So we've got a lot to tell as you've heard, but we only have in a supermarket 0.3 seconds to get that across. So we have to rely on first just the packaging, the thing you mentioned earlier that catching someone's attention visually is a really good way to start and contrasting or delighting people with an illustration, which is what we've done with our packages, is a really good way to catch them. And if we if we look good, then I think we've, we've invited people to taste the product. The next thing that has to happen in that whole customer experience is that it's got to taste great. Yeah. Because we don't have the right to <laughs> ask them to buy us again unless they've enjoyed the first experience. Absolutely. So that sample is so important. So mm -hmm. we, we put a lot of stock into the quality of the ingredients and the recipe and the way we present that and the way people taste it. Absolutely. I can testify to that. It's absolutely delicious. I'm on my second can so far this afternoon. So I'm going to start keep trying to make my way through the range. <laughs> so if we got those first two things right, then hopefully we can tell them a story because we've got their attention and engaged in a way that should give us the right to, 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 to tell a little bit more. And as Albert said, there's so much we could say. So the important thing is that they understand that having bought the product, they've actually done some good, yeah. that, that it's not just an indulgence. 
there's pleasure beyond your own satisfaction and there might be some of the helper's high, you know, the satisfaction that comes from knowing that you've been of assistance to someone else. So we're trying to say a soft drink, which is not a non-essential thing, can be an actor in that idea that, 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 that a company like us can take responsibility for more than just generating value out of something they produce for themselves, that it can go further than that in a social, environmental, and, and hopefully a karmic way. What we're trying to do is make that kind of ethereal idea much more tangible. Because I believe that if you've got that far, someone will want to share that story. So if people understand the transaction and feel good about it and enjoy it, you know, chances are they'll share it. And if they share it, then we're winning. Yeah, bringing the message and the magic of the cola nut to, to the rest of the world. Yeah. So, so we're asking people just join us. Absolutely. And and you've developed somewhat, something of a, a cult following. I've heard that <laughs> wow. some customers have even that's, getting tattoos. That's high praise. Cinderella. <laughs> uh, the character, which is on your ginger, uh, yeah. your ginger beer labels. Um, how did that start, do you think? And how and do you encourage weird, that? It? So... so <laughs> Honestly, it started because, you know, the first thing, the first product we made, Karma Cola, I tried to design a kind of Karma Cola label and it was really bad. So I thought I better get some people who know, who I can work with and know a bit more about this to kind of figure out how we make this really engaging. And we looked at lots of different ways of talking about this idea. And the story that really got us going was in the river near the village that we principally trade with is a spirit called Mamiwata. She visited a chief of the village seven chiefs ago and suggested in this, in this chief's sleep that if he didn't make the next chief a woman, there'd be trouble. And since then, every chief has been a woman. Now, the, the story was just great. Entwined with this, the idea of cola being you know, a ritual ingredient in the friendship and the, the socializing of the community. It sort of felt like if we could get that visually on the thing, just to be an interpretation, it doesn't have to be literal. We've got, we've got a starting point. The other thing I thought was really interesting is the idea of karma being good and bad. And that, you know, in our ingredient, there's things like sugar <laughs> that, um, that, that uh, you know, you don't want to overindulge in. But also there's this karmic property of the transaction doing some good somewhere else. I quite like that tension. And we saw in, in some of the research a little Mexican retablo, the sort of votive paintings that you have made for, 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 for strangely mundane miracles. So, you know, you break your leg and heal, you get one of these things, votive, uh, votive paintings made to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, you know, I'd seen one and it was a devil chasing an angel. And it just looked great. It looked like the sort of folk art thing that would represent this mummy water idea. There was another thing that we saw, which was a, a just a, a, a snake eating itself with the words written around the outside, what goes around comes around. And we thought, you know, that tension again that you give and you get, that if you uh, have this idea that, you should be treated as you treat people that these, these sorts of, you know, common, you know, fundamental social ideas could be embraced in something that really isn't that necessary. Yeah. But that tension is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's where we started kind of complicated, but it turned into this great little drawing of a mermaid chasing a 
devil mermaid and mummy water in its principal personality her personality is both good and bad if you don't behave she'll admonish you <laughs> and if you do you'll be rewarded and that's rivers are like that they give life and they take life storms are like that you know the the kind of mythology of the water spirits like that. so that all made sense to us and turned into this great little drawing so that was where it started. You know, oh, that looks fantastic, and it's got karma collar on it. Maybe that'll work. Not the most obvious way to package a fast-moving consumer good, <laughs> but it worked because it caught people on an emotional kind of level, and then it gave us the opportunity to hopefully get them to taste it and then find out more. We then tried to do the next one because we had one drink. We need to fill a shelf in a fridge, which was ginger, ginger, a ginger ale, and we got Beck, who did that initial drawing, to have a crack at us with us thinking about the ginger that comes from Sri Lanka and there are tigers there. and there's a, So we came up with a whole lot of other characters. But they look so much like the first one. They kind of made the first one less important. And we thought, well, why don't we just do this differently? And one of the women we were working with, Raha, said, I've had a thought for a great name, Gingerella. And as soon as she said that, I thought, that's great. You know, all we have to do is find out what Gingerella looks like. So we had this process, which is a bit like us trying to create a Mona Lisa. <laughs> and that this is kind of an enigmatic thing that had to take form. And Gingerella became this kind of homage to a, you know, incredibly um, fiery personality with red hair. And so she's got a thing. Now, this stuff, you know, sits on supermarket shelves and in people's cafes. But people have adopted it. So Gingerella's come back to us as tattoos. <laughs> So is our lemonade, lemmy, lemony. Um, come back to us as murals. Uh, someone's still screened it on a speaker. You know, there are there are big posters. There are dream catchers. The redhead community has adopted her. Yeah, there's a woman called Emma Kelly who writes a blog called Ginger Parrot who is um, a, a staunch advocate for people with red hair and fantastic with it. And... Um, she celebrated Red Hair Day, which happened to be the same day that Prince Harry chose to get married. And we made an, an homage to the royal wedding and had a ginger fella on a bottle. So there's, there's a lot of scope for us to have fun with the, with the drinks. That's, that's great fun. Um, so, you know, you've, you've done very well over the last few years. You've sold 12 million drinks in 23 countries. Um, what are your plans for further expansion? And is it, is it a challenge to grow in a sustainable way, ensuring that you know, the whole supply yeah. chain is... Uh, it's, it, we've been successful in engaging with a very specific type of customer, like in cafes or great fast casual dining restaurants, like Honest Burgers, like Byron, like Tortilla, like Caravan... Um, what are some that would be here? Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Uh, we're in Waterstones in Oxford too. We're in Waitrose. All these places have similar values to us. And that's been our way of kind of getting into these sales channels because it's this highly contested shelf space or menu space. Our next cha challenge is to broaden that that base. And it, it, it's, it's a really interesting one both commercially and kind of from a marketing point of view because we have this fan base that are pretty well defined. And we'd like to grow it. And we can't really spend a hell of a lot on marketing to do it. We've got, because we put that money back into the communities we work with. So, you know, it's a kind of, our success has as this sort of double-edged sword. Can we, can, is growth going to be helpful? 
We think it will. You know, if we the more drinks we sell, the more good we can do. So now we our challenge is to try and get a broader distribution at a premium. And and you know what we'll come up against is that when we've got a you know thirty percent to fifty to hundred percent premium against our competition, we've got to justify that which is what marketing's mostly about, saying if you're a premium product, you really do need to be able to substantiate your brand. So that's our challenge, is to have more people know about it. Brilliant. On that note, Albert, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Future of Business podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the season so far. Please consider rating us or sending your feedback to us directly at sbspodcasts at sbs.ox.ac.uk.